0: Hello and welcome to Weed Spawn. We're talking about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host Bobby, and with me is Joshua.
1: Hello Bobby, glad to be doing another episode.
0: And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about a game very dear to us, the original Pokémon Red and Blue and Yellow. And I guess spoilers ahead, it's been over 20, <laughs> 25 years. Yeah, so if for some reason you haven't played it, or the remakes Fire red and Leaf Green. Uh, yeah, I guess spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: so let's get right into it. These fire, or, sorry, fire red. <laughs> red and blue and yellow. These were the first installments of possibly one of the most successful game series ever. Uh, it's a little bit debated on whether it is actually the most successful or not, but just given how long that it has existed and they're still selling a lot of games, I'd say they're very successful. So they're one of the most. These games were released in 1996 as a role-playing game made for the Game Boy. They were developed by Game Freak and published by Nintendo. In Japan, the franchise is known as Pocket Monsters Red and Pocket Monsters Green, with the special editions Pocket Monsters Blue, and they were released in Japan um, in 1996, and the following year, they were released in North America, oh sorry, not the following year, in 1998, they were released in North America and Australia, and then the following year, they were released in Europe, and... In these um, um, English markets, they were known as Pokemon Red and Pokemon Blue, and they actually scrapped Pokemon Green for the uh, English markets. And the Red and Blue franchise wouldn't really be complete without mentioning Yellow Version. So, Yellow Version was first released in 1998 in Japan as an enhanced version, and this was later released in other countries the following year. And Fire Red and Leaf Green. I guess, could also be considered the enhanced versions, but these were actually just remastered editions that were made for the Game Boy Advance. And these also included additional content that were not included in the original games. So we probably won't talk about those in this episode unless we we have the time for it, because I don't really think it's good in, like, enough content to talk about it in its own episode, unless we do an episode that's strictly remakes. But I... I don't foresee us talking about it, but I guess we'll see. And overall, Red and Blue were very well received by critics and uh, gamers. And one of the praises, like one of the major praises, included the multiplayer options of battling and trading, which was a pretty big deal. And I remember when it first came out, or not first came out, but when we first started playing it, and we realized we could battle and trade Pokemon, that was like mind blowing to us. So that was a really great feature. And I would say I'm glad that it had such positive reviews for that. They received nearly ninety percent positive reviews overall, and it is regarded as one of the greatest games ever made.
0: Yeah, regarding the remaster versions, I don't think, um, like you said, unless we do a whole episode about just remakes, which honestly, right now, we probably could because we have Fire Red, Leaf Green, we have Omega Ruby, so Alpha Sub. Oh yeah, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, and then now Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. But if anything, we'll most likely talk about them during our Johto one. Cause mm-hmm. if you don't know, the remakes don't aren't considered Gen One, so they are still considered Generation Two of when they came out because they will have updated moves. And updated like stuff. So, red, blue, and yellow are all considered Generation One. Fire red and leaf green are not Generation One. Pretty A lot sure. of
1: people regard them as two Generation Two point five because it's right in between. But it's not quite Gen Three. But it's not really Gen Two, just because they weren't released at the same exact time as Gen Two. But basically, I would consider them Gen Two because that's when they were released the time frame they were released nothing really is too different about them in terms of moves and pokemon and everything
0: yeah that's why they're considered gen 2 because they do have updated moves because they do update like typing and everything so that's one of the things like when we get to generation 2 when we mentioned the new typings that came from generation 2 fire red and leaf green obviously had those new typings where red and blue and yellow did not so like i said Unless we do a remake thing, we will may, like, go over it a little bit just to say, like, hey, this is also Gen 2, but that's probably about it. Yeah. But since this is the first installment, in case you guys don't know what Pokemon is, Pokemon, you live in a world full of monsters called Pokemon. And you play as a, the main character, and obviously you get a nickname them, you name your rival, and... And the whole point of Red, Blue, and Yellow, you live in the Kanto region, and your goal is to become the Pokemon Master, which is generally one of two things, or both of them, is getting eight badges, and then going to the Indigo Plateau, which, and you fight the Elite Four and the Champion, to you yourself become champion. Or the kind of secondary objective is to catch all 151 available Pokemon. Now, one thing that they made with this game that continues for now all the way eight, nine, gener- eight generations later, because Gen 9 is just got announced, is that they have two games, Red and Blue. Well, I guess Japan had three, but for English, we had Red and Blue before Yellow came in. And what they did was, in order to catch all 151, you actually had to trade between the two. Now, there's no difference in the game besides the fact that there are Pokemon exclusives per version. And they still do it now with Gold and Silver, with Ruby Sapphire, Black and White, Sun and Moon. All of the later generations, you have to have or at least know someone with a the different version you have in order to complete the Pokedex. So, that was probably either to help boost sales or... Because, I mean, if they were exactly the same without any difference, it's like, you never know. It Like, why would you come out with two games? So, I think it's more of a sales thing. Oh, yeah. And the legendaries. Except, but
1: the legendaries weren't different in the... Originals. Originals.
0: Yeah, I think that's the... Yeah, yeah, it's only the originals.
1: Yeah. One of my biggest pet peeves about the fact that they made two different versions. I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, <clears throat> There's no point in two different versions if everything's the same. But I absolutely hate the fact that you couldn't get all the Pokemon unless your friend had it. Like, what if I had no friends? How am I supposed to get all the Pokemon? <laughs> I don't want to buy two Game Boys and two games and have to trade with myself.
0: I mean, maybe, maybe Pokemon was ahead of its time and was trying to bring everyone together because... Pokemon Go was the closest thing we had to World Peace when it first came out. (laughs) (laughs) So Pokemon's been trying to bring us together since we've been born. (laughs) (laughs) But I do like at first the original I don't think it really made sense to have two different versions but I do like later on how they do have different cover legendaries so then it's kind of like I get what you mean about trying to get like all 150 pokemon but i feel like if you were that obsessed with getting it you would have you would find a way but for the more casual ones i kind of like having the option between one or two games because it's always kind of fun to be like oh i want this one and then like seeing what everyone else picks and seeing like oh i'm team sapphire you're team ruby (laughs) and like all this and I don't know. Yeah, I think my... that's a little bit of the, at least now, a little bit of the joy is seeing the two different versions and being like, ooh, who do I think is better?
1: Yeah. I always just chose my version based on which Legendary I thought was the coolest. Um, for the first game, I never really had the option to choose because that was a hand-me-down for my brother, so I just had red. And I actually didn't even know blue existed until you had blue. And that's when I learned about the different versions and stuff. But, yeah, I just had Red, which I probably would have chose Red anyway because Charizard was on the front, and I thought Charizard was the coolest. So that's uh, basically how I choose games. It's all based (laughs) on how the Legendary looks, not about type or anything. It's just purely aesthetics.
0: I think that's how most kids picked it. I think that's actually the reason why Green never came, is because in, like, a testing whatever product testing they do that out of the three versions red was picked most followed by blue because at that time I know there's a lot girl gamers out now but at that time Pokemon was going towards kids but more for the male audience I sorry I like blanked on the word and so like one of the at least that's what i read because like one of the articles i read was like what would you get your son a dragon a turtle or a plant and everyone thought like the plant was too feminine at that time so that's one of the reasons why green never made it and it was only red and blue
1: yeah i mean it definitely makes sense especially with the time period it came out in it was very um gender polarizing type of scenario so it definitely makes sense with the year that it came out with plus that's kind of always been the case with all the games i feel like the grass type always gets screwed like nobody likes a grass type i feel like the first Hoenn. cool grass type yeah was Hoenn when um uh what's septile what's his name septile yeah at, at least what's that's the, the final original one. <laughs> what's the original guy's name trico Trico. Yeah, I never chose him. Fuck him. <laughs> you got... <laughs> um, I believe yeah, in your first, first cool one, one,
0: you got Torchic. I think yeah. I went with Trico, because my sister also had it, and she went with Mudkip. So we all yeah. had different ones.
1: Yeah, I was always a fire bias person, though. I, I almost exclusively chose fire types.
0: I went with a lot of water, but there were... Like, uh, Hoenn was one of the ones, because I never picked Grass, so I was like, ooh. And then, I believe the next one, the next generation was Diamond and Pearl. I believe I went with, the first time I played, I think I went with Turtwig, too, because I, I thought Torterra looked sweet. I, but yeah. he's a turtle, um, too, so and I love
1: turtles. I, I went with Chimchar because of my fire bias, <laughs> but I regretted it because Turtwig is definitely the coolest one out of Chimchar, Piplup and twig.
0: Not to get too Should've off trap Yeah, off we're, we're going four times deep. <laughs> going back to <laughs> uh, the original, one thing I do want to say to any of you Bulbasaur lovers out there, or Venusaur, I should say, lovers out there, is out of the three starters, Charizard obviously is the most popular because it has, every, it has Gigantamax, it has Mega... Uh, Mega Evolution, two forms of Mega Evolution. Basically, every gimmick that comes out in Pokemon, Charizard always ends up getting it. Of course, Venusaur and Blastoise later on got their own uh, Gigantamax and uh, Mega Evolutions. But, for those of you who want a little bit of competitive knowledge, Venusaur is the most consistent one of the starters to stay in. In like top tier it was never like the best but it never went lower like it kind of stayed in the middle and was used sometimes and then kind of dropped but it never really lost popularity in the competitive scene where Charizard fluctuated and then I think blast stories may have been up viable for like one or two seasons and then hasn't really shown much but Venusaur has kind of been a consistent one where, if you have a team for it, you can use it. Has it? It's been viable, but it hasn't really gone to like non-viable. It's kind of hard to explain. It's just been very has the most consistent showing and competitive of the three starters.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Um. Yeah, I have to say with the starters, I feel like this first game had a very solid lineup because despite Bulbasaur being kind of the short end of the stick where not as many people liked him, I think he was a really solid Pokemon overall. And I chose him a few times because I played the game multiple times. He was a choice of on a couple of my playthroughs because he is a really cool Pokemon. He has a lot of stat affecting attacks, which is kind of a grass type thing, but it, it... becomes very useful with his gameplay. So, I liked him. Plus, he breezes by the first two gyms like it's nothing.
0: And he resists resists oh my, resists the <laughs> third gym as well. Yeah.
1: So, he
0: makes starting the game very easy. Yeah, cuz like you said, he's super effective against the first two gym, resists the third gym, and then he for the fourth gym you don't have to worry about status about neutral, effects yeah. and everything because he's yeah. grass poison so yeah
1: yeah so back back on topic of um or Shying away from just the starters of the pokemon because they're definitely they're the cover image so it's a very important topic but this game this basically is what got me into gaming in a sense like we already did our our episode a while back of what got how we got into this and like what our real first games were but pokemon was one of those small games that i tend to play a lot it didn't really like spark me into gaming like twisted metal did but it was one of those things that i could play and not really realize that this is the the thing that's going to be huge throughout our entire beginning of our adult lives and through our entire teenage years and everything like I did not see Pokemon being as big as it is. It was a fun game, and I thought that's all it was going to be, but it just kept coming back, and it just keeps coming back. This is a, a Goliath that just won't fall. It's absolutely crazy.
0: And obviously, like, Game Boy made other games before this. I'm assuming. <laughs> but... Yeah, they definitely did. Yeah, for us and probably for like a lot of people, this was like our first mobile game too. Or I guess I should say handheld game because in 1998, Mm -hmm. when this came out, there was no smartphones. I know, shocking to believe. (laughs) But there were no smartphones and we had dial-up internet. So the fact that you could just go anywhere and have a game on you was like so universal and the fact that you could just play it and like play it for hours and yeah. um, theoretically like never get bored yeah it, it's no wonder it was so successful
1: yeah and then on top of that it's like this was one of those like for us per, this is more personal for us this was a game that basically came out when we were born i mean give or take a, or with a couple years uh lag but yeah (laughs) this was like this grew (laughs) this grew up with us so it's one of those games where it was on the revolutionary cusp of being mobile and this is a game that was there in the beginning like right when we could get a Game Boy this was the game that basically came with it and I, I just feel like the popularity of it I don't know if Nintendo actually expected it to be this good And there are so many um, clones out there that try to replicate what Pokemon has created, and they just can't do it. So, I don't know. They just managed to get this recipe that would sit in our hearts forever because I've... Yeah, I don't know how long they're going to go, but I feel like um, we're going to still be talking about it for a while.
0: I don't know if you would consider it a clone... But it's definitely very similar. The only thing that really rivaled it at the time was Digimon. That was, like, mm-hmm.
1: the same. And it, and even that, it wasn't, like, it didn't have the popularity like Pokemon. Like, it did have popularity. But I think the thing that they got wrong was the evolutions. I mean, the Digivolve uh, and the Digimon equivalent. But... I think they went too convoluted with it, so that's why they didn't quite have the same recipe for success.
0: I think I do like it now. If you, for any of you guys that played Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth, they made it. I think the reason why it was so successful is because it is very similar to Pokemon. How you have like a whole team, and then you can DD evolve and Digivolve. Where if you played any of the original, you didn't really have a choice of how it evolved it was all based on stats and i think the games kind of let it down where pokemon very excelled at what it was doing and then like digimon like you said they did evolve but you couldn't choose what you could do where pokemon i guess technically you can't choose but you know what they're going to evolve into where you can choose not to though exactly where, well, you can do that in Digimon. Like the first ones, you can stop it from um, evolving too. Gotcha. But you didn't know what it was going to evolve into because it didn't give you like the silhouette until it was actually like completed. And mm. so like you just had to guess on if you did your stats right when you trained them to get the evolution you wanted. Where Pokemon, you already knew exactly what you were going to get. So you could easily change out which Pokemon you wanted, you had more variety, where Digimon, you didn't really have that variety, at least in the early game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think Pokemon has a lot of influence, and it's just doing it right while, like you said, Digimon. Yeah, Digimon has kind of made a little bit of a comeback with the Cyber Sleuth. I haven't actually played it it it. yet, but it seems to be pretty popular from what I've seen. Oh, I have
0: over 200 hours in it, and that's just the first one. (laughs) It's amazing damn (laughs) but one thing also that i think helped the popularity well i don't know if it really helped the popularity but one thing that people need to realize also is back in the original we didn't like i mentioned before we had dial-up internet and you couldn't really just if you were stuck somewhere you couldn't just get on google and type in how do i get this i mean you might when it first came out like you would have to probably wait like a week or something for someone to like post it because the internet wasn't what it was like today. So going through this game, you either had to buy the what? What's the book called? Do you rem- strategy guide?
1: Oh yeah, strategy guides.
0: Yeah. Those were so cool,
1: I, dude. I I never bought any of those, but I remember you would always get them, and I was always so pumped to read the strategy <sighs> dude, guide. They were so find cool. them. Find the hidden items, yes, like the invisible ones. Oh God, those are sweet. As you mentioned, how it was basic, it was dial-up internet, and there's there's no online games at this time, like for uh, councils and stuff. So the closest thing to online gaming we had was plugging in our trading cord and going to a Pokemon Center and uh, doing either battle or trade, and then either trading or battling. Those are our only options. And I also remember there was this one time, I'm going to skip a gen ahead real quick, that I was playing uh, my crystal version, and I had a Larvitar that I trained up to a Pupitar. and He was like level 45 or something. So, and my friend wanted to get it in his Pokedex. So we plug in our cords and we go to trade, and as we're trading, the cord slips. And I don't know how and I don't know why but somehow his pokemon managed to transfer to mine. It must have been how the data rate happened like his pokemon came first and my pokemon was still transferring. His pokemon came, my my pokemon never showed up on his side. And then our trade ended, we left the pokemon center, and then I believe it saves you immediately after that and my pokemon was lost forever. And I was very upset cuz I trained this Pupitar. I was trying to get a Tyranitar. And from there on out, I never I never tried again. <laughs> I just gave up on Larvitar.
0: And if any of you guys know Pokemon, you know Larvitar is on the high end for EV yield or not. Experience yield. So it's, it's a pseudo-legendary Tyranitar, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's considered yeah, it pseudo-legendary. Is. So it had a very low experience rate grow up. So getting to 45 yes. is a very hard thing to do. And I'm pretty
1: sure you don't get a Tyranitar until about 60.
0: Yes, I believe And
1: I was right. just so heartbroken, and I never touched it again, and I just gave up on that. Plus, I didn't know that the XP growth thing was a thing back then, so I just thought it was just taking forever because... I, I don't know why I thought it took forever, but it was really bumming me out that it was taking so long. And I just got him because he looked cool
0: yeah I didn't know about the growth rate either the one thing I don't know if it was this gen or next gen I didn't know about I believe there yeah Eevees in Pokemon because obviously I was a kid Mm -hmm. and I didn't really know what EV. but one thing I did know was that a Pokemon you caught at an early level and raised it yourself Was a lot stronger than if you fought the same one wild, and I never understood why, but I did figure that that out. Is like because I remember every time I would catch a when I would first catch like a Pidgey. Obviously, you could catch it at like level three. I think the max you can find is like five, at at the like very first Mm -hmm. round or something. Yeah. And at first, I used to always want to catch level fives, but then I would always look for level twos because I'm like oh the lower the level the more they, obviously there's like a cap at EVs but I didn't know that at the time so I would always like oh I want the lowest level pokemon so I can make it the strongest
1: <laughs> yeah I never understood that either and one thing I didn't know I don't know if it's implemented in first gen but gen 2 they implement where a traded pokemon levels up at a rate of like 1.25 times faster or 1.5 times faster than a regular caught Pokemon. So if you trade with someone, you have this special bond, and they actually level up faster, which I thought was really cool. Didn't know about it, and I had an Onyx in Gen 2 that was leveling up so fast, because he was almost what I was used exclusively, that he actually wouldn't obey my commands, because he had leveled up faster than I could beat the gems.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't... I want to say they had to have had that. I know for sure in Gen 2 they did because the way you get the Onyx is catching a Bellsprout mm-hmm. and trading it. I want to yeah, say... Yeah, I thought
1: that was a stupid good deal. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Especially when the first gym was flying. Like. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah. I'm i trying to remember because I know in Gen 1, I believe you can trade Nidoran for Nidoran, as in the like male for female or female for male. I don't know which one it is but i know there's that trade and then there's also a trade you trade abra for a mr mime i can't rem- i'm trying to remember if there's any other trades how do? You, can you think of any other trades um, in the original those
1: are the only ones that i can think of off the top of my head
0: yeah i don't i don't know but even with that it was yeah it was cool learning once you find out like oh trading pokemon actually level you up or levels up faster until like you said they start to disobey you and you're just like fuck (laughs) or what it was was it in the original i forget there was one time that i had i forget what pokemon but you, it has to evolve at a very specific level, and if you go over it, it will never evolve. And oh yeah, I
1: remember Meditang. Um, Metatang, Metatang is that. one.
0: But this was a it was either Gen one or Gen two Pokemon because I knew about Metatang uh, when it came out, but I didn't know about. Might be an Abra. No, I don't
1: know. Sorry, continue on. <laughs> I
0: don't think it was because Kadabra it was a trade evolution but there was one where like you had it had to be level 30 and if you got it to level 31 it would basically would never evolve again because this is why i think it was gen 1 because i think in other gen later gens once it passes that level you can still give it like another rare candy and it will still evolve like the very next time and you have to either continue if you don't want to evolve it have to continue like not evolving it after every level or whatever but Now remember, because I needed this Pokemon to beat a gym. But the problem was, if I just used him, and I could use only him and beat the entire gym, but he would be over the level to evolve, so he would never evolve. But then if I didn't use him, I couldn't beat the gym. So I was very stuck in this conundrum, because I was just too lazy to raise up all the rest of my Pokemon, or they were all weak to this specific gym. I really can't remember what it was. What a no! Because it wasn't Graveler. Because I'm pretty sure Graveler was another trade evolution. Oh, actually,
1: it might have been Graveler. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Graveler was a trade. Well, Graveler evol- is a trade evolution, yeah. but I think Geodude might be the one that is level determined. I don't know. I'm trying to word it, but Google's not giving me the results I want. Um, but I did find this little bit of information going back to trading. So a traded Pokemon games 1.5 times the normal experience points after a Pokemon battle. Pokemon traded from a game in another language will gain 1.7 times the experience. Ooh. That's pretty sweet. That I did not know about. And how would you ever know about that unless you had friends that (laughs) bought the game in a foreign country?
0: And also, this is for later on. I guess we can... I'll probably mention it later on, too. If you get... A foreign ditto or any foreign pokemon it's just better for foreign ditto because you can breed it with anything <laughs> a foreign pokemon has a higher odd of getting a shiny in the egg than if you use regular pokemon oh like interesting
1: i did not know that yeah
0: i got a shiny like japanese ditto that i use in sword and shield for my breeding purposes oh huh, that's pretty sweet But one thing, I mean, red and blue had a lot of, like, the Pokemon, like you mentioned, Pokemon was a success. As you can see, we're still nine generations going on strong. But it wasn't without its, like, flaws. And one of the main things with, like, red and blue, I think were, this is going, I guess, more not for casual people but like a lot of the typing psychic was so strong in this generation oh my god psychic was
1: ridiculous
0: so one thing if you guys don't know or for any veteran pokemon players as well is if you play any recent games the stats are speed hp which hp is your health speed determines who attacks first You have attack special attack defense and special defense so moves generally will have either will be a physical or special attack and those to determine what it damage depends on your defense or special defense in gen one there was not that split you had attack defense special oh no yeah attack defense special And speed and HP. I believe attack and defense were. Yeah. Attack, defense, special. Speed and HP. Special was not split. So that meant. If you had a high special attacker. They also had high special defense. One prime example is Alakazam. Very high special attack. Even like now. It still holds up it is one of the strongest special attackers and one of the fastest but think of how fragile it is now versus when it was first came out i actually want to uh, i want to see what it give me one second let me i'm pulling up the stats so yeah okay So, Alakazam, right now, has a speed of 120 and a special attack of 135. But defense is 45 and special defense is 85. Now, think of special attack at 135 in Generation 1. Man, it had a special defense of 135. So, this supposed to be Glass Cannon now has an incredible self-defense. in the special stat at least so if you try to use special moves on this Alakazam it wouldn't do that much damage so one thing that was like major in generation one to generation two was that special stat and not to mention there were a lot of weaknesses to psychic in generation one because it was mostly weak to bug and ghost dark type was not a type yet bug the only like bug move i believe besides because poison sting was poison like the strongest bug moved at that time was twin needle and it could only be learned by Beedrill, who was not very good at generation one not to mention i believe i think no bug wasn't weak to psychic but it was very fragile. And so if you had a B drill up until that point, (laughs) I don't think it would have lasted very much, especially with like the speed stat and everything. And then Ghost, I think like the primary Ghost moves in generation one were like Lick, Nightshade, and Astonish maybe, which was really only in like the, Only ghost type Pokemon was Ghastly, Haunter, and Gengar. And once again, Gengar, what, like, in order to get it, you had to trade it. So Psychic essentially had, like, no weaknesses in Generation 1. So it was so strong. And I just remember fighting Sabrina as the, like, fifth gym leader. It was such a pain to deal with, especially just because of that Alakazam would just one-shot almost everything. You had to... I had to, like, over-level in order to beat Sabrina.
1: Yeah, I had to as well. I remember facing her for the first time, and it was extremely difficult, and I got to a point to where I just... (laughs) This was a stupid way to do it, but I would just save in front of her, and then I would go into battle, and I would just basically spam... Uh... Like spam attacker and hope that eventually my attacks would either get criticals or I would do a different set of moves or she would do a different set of moves where I would survive the battle and actually win. But yeah, I wasn't the smartest when I first played <laughs> this game. But I, And then if I lost, i just turn it off turn it back on and retry. But yeah, I had to overlevel because Psychic was just so OP and like you said, Bug-type were just garbage in this first one. Bug type has gotten better, I think, but in the beginning they were just absolute trash and it was really hard to use them. Uh, yeah. My another gym I had a lot of difficulty in was uh Fuchsia, I believe the city is, and they had the poison Goga. type. Yep. Yeah. Oh my god, he was ridiculous to me too, because he just poisoned everything and then they all died eventually because poison's like an exponential gain. oh it was just a nightmare
0: so speaking of poison a lot of oh sorry
1: yeah i was just gonna say a lot of antidotes
0: but going back to that poison at that time i didn't know the difference between poison and badly poison so if you just get oh i always when when
1: i first read it i always thought it said babbled babbled poison and i'm like why is what does that mean didn't realize it said badly So that was just me being a dumb kid.
0: Yeah, so I believe like the simple moves like Poison Sting, Acid, like the low ones, where it says like you have a chance to poison your enemy, if you just regularly poison, it takes a set amount each time. But if you're badly poisoned, the longer your Pokemon stays in battle, the more damage it takes. So it may take like 3% of your max health, but then next turn, 5%. Next turn, 8%. Next turn, 12%. Like it stacks up if you're badly poisoned. But if you're just regular poison, it will just take like 3%, 3%, 3%. But of course, I didn't know that at the time. And going off of that with your Fuchsia City thing, one thing about that is, I think I made this mistake, is I think the first time I played it, I went to Fuchsia for Saffron. Saffron is where Sabrina is. But when I went to Fuchsia, I was like, why is this person like my Pokemon are like level 30 or whatever that level, like whatever Sabrina's level is. But then you go to uh Fuchsia and it, they're like 48. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? The fourth gym was like 28 to 31. And then I'm like, The fifth gym is 10 levels higher? I'm like, that makes no sense. And then I found out eventually, I don't know how, I was like, oh, I skipped Sabrina. I had to go back (laughs) and backtrack to Sabrina. But I know a lot of, that's one thing about the original games is during that time, you could actually beat Fuchsia gym before Sabrina. So if you do have trouble with Sabrina, you could always try Koga. So you can beat him, get the mm-hmm. levels, and then go back to Sabrina. But
1: Yeah, so back on the poison thing. Yeah, so I looked it up. Regular poison is 1 16th of max health, and that is uh, a flat 1 16th every single time. And badly poisoned is 1 16th on the first try, 1 8th uh, on the next, 3 16 a 4th. So it just keeps adding up until it equals 15 <gasps> uh, 16ths of your max health. If you were to continuously use full heals or something.
0: (laughs) Full restore all the way down to red. Full restore all the (laughs) way down to red.
1: Yeah, and then once you leave battle, it becomes regular
0: poison. Uh, Oh, speaking of that, Generation 1. So if you got, I don't know when a lot of people started playing their Pokemon games, but in Generation 1, Poison didn't go away when you left back. yeah this was rough you had to go and you would see the and your like screen would like flash and like move i think in generation one it was a flash i think generation two or three they like it did a like a wave thing but it would flash and you would your pokemon would lose one hp every like three steps you took like four, four. Steps.
1: I would count out <laughs> each step like I knew if I had one HP when I got into the Pokemon Center, the Pokemon was dead.
0: Yeah, because you had to have an antidote or your Pokemon would die. This made Viridian Forest such a pain in the ass. A bitch. Because Viridian Forest is going from like palatine well, I think you go to Viridian City first. From Viridian City to Pewter City, you had to go through Viridian Forest at this point, unless you decide to catch like every Pokemon, you probably have like two to three Pokemon. You starter, Rattata, and a Pidgey if you caught both of them. So unless you caught multiple of them or you managed to get lucky on Route 2 and got the Nidoran. Or went to the left of Viridian City and I believe the rare encounter is a Mankey so at most Mm -hmm. you could have five pokemon but they probably aren't all high level because it would be very hard to train five pokemon especially at the beginning you go in viridian forest and all you see is Caterpie, kakuna metapod weedle and if you're lucky a pikachu but like all the trainers are bug trainers and all weedle knows is freaking poison sting. so even if you beat the bug trainer if you get poison, you're so screwed if you don't have antidotes. You can find one antidote, but I can't tell you how many times I would get to the very last person, have like one Pokemon because I had to fight like all the other trainers or whatever, and they're all either dead, poisoned or whatever. And I have like just my starter, I would beat him, but he would, my Pokemon would be poison and it would have like five HP and You just couldn't make it to Pewter City Pokemon Center. And if you didn't make it and you wiped it out, you had to start all over back at Viridian Forest.
1: Yeah, it was not a good time. Um, That poison effect also, that lasted until Gen 4. Gen 4 is when they changed it to where you would go down to 1 HP and then it would be cured instead of fainting. Gen five is when they took out being poisoned outside of battle altogether. Just for a, a fun little fact.
0: Hmm. That's nice to know. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. So since we're just talking about like experiences we had in this game, because you mentioned how you skipped Koga, I believe, at one no, point, Sabrina and you went to Koga. You, 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 yeah. Which, actually, I think that's the correct order. I think Sabrina's the sixth and Coca's the fifth. Because you were talking about skipping, which technically you didn't skip. You just thought you did. Because um, that area is, like, one of the last places you're supposed to open up. Because you can go completely around. So you can make it to Celadon, which I don't think Celadon has a gym. But you can then take the cycle, cycling road down to Coca's area. And that would then technically be...
0: Oh, uh, Yeah, I just like that there and they're... Practically the same. Oh, Celadon same has a gym. Levels.
1: Celadon's the fourth.
0: Yeah, Celadon's where you fight Erica.
1: Yeah. So, one thing I I did when I first played through this game, or when I played through it knowing what I was doing, semi sort of, I obviously did Pewter City because you have to beat Brock in order to get to Cerulean. And I went and I beat Misty at Cerulean. And then at that point, I believe I skipped Lieutenant Surge, not realizing that I could. And I fumbled my way through Dark Cave, or Rock Tunnel, I think is what it's called. I fumbled my way through Rock Tunnel in the dark until I came out in Lavender Town because I didn't have Flash. And then I fumbled my way all the way to Celadon. I beat Erica there. And I basically beat all the gyms except Lieutenant Surge. Um, Because I believe what I did was I did the boat, like the SSN. I did the boat, and then I basically left. I just decided not to fight Lieutenant Surge. Because I don't think I realized I had Cut at that point, even though the captain straight hands it to you.
0: You had to use Cut to get into the fourth gym, or Celadon City, I thought, to get to the fourth gym.
1: Oh, I did. I did, so I was just an idiot, because I remember coming back to Lieutenant Surge after I had six badges, but not the third. And that's what one thing I thought was really cool about the first game, is that you could skip around, as long as the game permitted in certain areas. Um, yeah, you could jump around and kind of do whatever you wanted, jump around. Um, ex- excluding Pewter City. So I just thought that was fun. I beat every gym except Surge. <laughs> Well, I, I didn't beat Cinnabar.
0: I remember... Oh, speaking of, like, trouble things, going back to Celadon City, everyone's favorite city because that's where you get to gamble with the game corner. I forget what generation they took that out.
1: Yeah, hold on. Can we just talk about that? <laughs> Can we just talk about how they handed kids games and said, here you go. Go ahead and gamble now. <laughs> like, there was... There was no backlash on that at all. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't know what the time period of this is in 1996, I, but as of right now, I'm pretty sure gambling in Japan is illegal. So, why are they promoting it in their games? Who knows?
0: <laughs> but I remember always trying to do that and always trying to get jackpot at the doing the slots because, you know, they had slots. And that's where you could also get Porygon, I believe, is... That's the only way you could get Porygon, I believe, in the original games, was you had to buy them from the game corner, like, whatever the the coins were.
1: Um, just back up for one sec. Gambling in Japan has been illegal since 1907. So why'd they include it in the games? What are they trying to promote?
0: I don't know. Maybe that's why they put it in the game so you can at least virtually gamble. But... (laughs) i it may have not have been this team rocket hideout because after you beat them here i believe it is it saffron city you have to beat them again is it no it's not future i'm pretty sure Um, it's saffron because that's where sabrina's gym is in the fighting dojo
1: yeah yeah that's it's saffron there's um that big tower i think the tower is the
0: one i'm thinking of to be honest with you, both Team Rocket hideouts were a pain to go through because, like we said before, this was before internet, so you couldn't just look up a way unless you had the strategy guide. Yeah.
1: The tower was so bad that they put a fucking Pokemon Center in the middle of the tower.
0: <laughs> with all the freaking jump pans, warp pans, oh my god, I can't tell yep. you how long I spent there, and especially when you saw where you had to go. And, like, you were just trying to find that pad. I remember mm-hmm. one of the... F- yeah,
1: yeah. you you just randomly jump from pad to pad until you I found it. I remember
0: one of the first times I ever got through there, I took, like, one step. Like, if you take one step out of the right pad, you get into a rival battle. This was, like, you get into a rival battle literally, like, one thing before you fight Giovanni. And your rival is pretty strong at this point. And I remember my first time getting here after I was beating like Team Rocket Grunt after Grunt. I didn't heal my Pokemon cause I was just trying to figure out which pad I had to get to. And I found it and I was like, oh, okay. I'll like, I didn't know if I took one step I would immediately get in a battle and I lost to my rival. And I was like, oh, this is a pain. Cause now I had to go through all that over try to remember how I got there, but. One cool thing is after you beat the rival, you get Lapras. It's a, like, gifted Pokemon. and
1: Never used him. Never. I didn't
0: <laughs> use him either just because, like, at this point, your Pokemon was, like, late 40s or almost maybe early 50s. And the Lapras you get is level 25. It's, like, if it was at least, like, level 40, you could have, like, swapped it out for your water Pokemon if it wasn't, like, your starter. But when your Pokemon are double the level your gifted Pokemon is, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, I really don't want to. It's,
1: it's kind of like a fuck you. <laughs> it's like, all right, thanks, asshole. Yeah,
0: you didn't really want to like retrain the Pokemon up until like level fifteen, like or whatever you were. Yeah.
1: <sighs> um, just a fun fact about the casino at the slot machines in Pokemon. I just wanted to Google it because I was wondering what the actual odds are. Because I always feel like in that game I'm always up in coins and I'm never really down in coins. So I didn't know if they made it so you're always winning or, or it just seems like you're always winning. But apparently there's actual uh, method to do it and there's so the slot machines change in um, like their generation so their odds change. And you have to find the one that has the best odds. And they've, I guess people have gone through the code and determined like, you have to go to this one and you sit down and you play this many times. If you don't win, you move on to the next one and you keep doing it. And then they worked it out to a science, and it's kind of crazy.
0: Of course, people find out. So, yeah,
1: (laughs) there's a method. So, if you want your Porygon, make sure you Google how to beat Pokemon Red Slot Machine.
0: And. Going back to a little bit about the, like, Lapras, I almost forgot, it's not, I don't know if it's technically considered a gifted Pokemon, because you kind of just find it on the table. Back in Celadon City, you can also We're find an Eevee that's just kind of, like, mm. sitting on a table, and you just kind of take it. Well, I, th- I think the guy gives okay, it Okay, I wasn't you. sure if he gave it to you, or if you just picked it up.
1: Yeah, I think he says, like, he can't take care of him or something, or he can't. Train him a- enough, or I don't know, something along those lines. So he just kind of hands him to you, like, here, take my EVs. Yeah, so you... Which is the hardest decision you have to make of what are you going to evolve. <laughs> I was him just into.
0: about to say that. It's also one of the first one you. But get... it's also
1: the easiest because Flareon's the correct answer.
0: <laughs> one of the first Pokemon you encountered that uses the evolution stones because I think mm-hmm. technically, if you found a Pikachu in the N- Forest or the. Well, yeah. Niddo's. Or... Because
1: they're Moonstones. I'm trying
0: to think... Was Clefable? Clefairy to Clefable? Oh, yeah.
1: Clefairy, Clefable. Yeah.
0: So... So there's actually yeah, quite there a actually few. there's quite a few before you could go, because...
1: But this is the first one that uses a... No, because Pikachu. No,
0: because Weepin' Bell. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bell was a grass stone. Pikachu, Thunderstone. Yeah. Who was the water... Sh- oh, Poliwhirl. But I don't know if... Y- you might have been able to find... Is,
1: Is Poliwhirl in Gen 1?
0: Yeah. Poliwhirl.
1: Or Poliwrath, I mean. Poliwrath?
0: Yeah, because the Fighting Dojo has them.
1: Oh, you're right. You're Well, the Fighting... Do-
0: yeah, the Fighting Dojo has them. It's a Primate and a Poliwrath. Okay. And then when you beat them, since we're on Gifted Pokemon... You get to choose between Hitmonchan or Hitmon Lee. Which
1: one? Okay, yeah, it is gen one. Which one? Yeah, Hitmonchan and Hitmonlee. Lee. Well, obviously Hitmon Lee.
0: I chose Hitmonchan the first obviously. time, but stat wise and everything, I believe Hitmon Lee's the best.
1: It took me years before I realized or learned that Hitmonchan and Hitmon Lee were basically uh cameos for uh Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee.
0: See I thought so too, but I guess there was rumors that it's not. But I don't know because
1: oh, weird coincidence. Yeah, then. it's very. Weird. I feel like it is. Although, but. although Jackie Chan doesn't have boxing gloves.
0: Yeah, but it would be. Well, they made karate, Pokemon like four gens from now. But true. But also, um, since we keep going off on like deciding one of the two, backtracking a little bit is. I'm sure you guys, I don't know if you guys watched our Twitch episode, we, or I briefly discussed about Twitch plays Pokemon and they played Pokemon Red. And one of the major things that came out of that was the religion Lord Helix. And so going Mm -hmm. way back to the beginning of the game, once you got through Mount Moon, you got to choose between the Helix Fossil and the Dome Fossil. And... I think the first time I actually did pick the Helix one Because I think that's the one like Straight ahead Because I didn't really know what The one. correct
1: answer is the dome though
0: I think Kabutops looks better But
1: Oh yeah for but sure I,
0: got, I I still now every time I play I, I go Helix just because of Lord Helix Ew no <laughs> Lame
1: <laughs> Kabutops is but the I way to go I do definitely think
0: Kabutops is One of the coolest looking Ones too yeah. I was. I always loved the um, fossil Pokemon.
1: Yeah, and I, yeah, I really love the fact that you could get Aerodactyl too if you went, made your detour back to Pewter City and decided to use Cut and get into the museum. I love the fact that you could get the what was it called the yep. old, old Amber. Amber. Yeah, I love the fact. I never really used him, but it was always a nice little thing to be able to do. Say you got
0: oh wait i didn't realize how easy it was to get him so whenever i saw because i think there's like one or two trainers that actually use him i think lance uses him and then there's one pokemon mm-hmm. do you remember the snorlax that blocks the way to the like fishing where you go through that bridge and yeah yeah about 12. there's i believe if you somewhere around there you have to use cut And someone either uses Aerodactyl or there's a trade for Aerodactyl. Something to deal with Aerodactyl Hmm. right there. Interesting. And that's where I was like, wait, you can get Aerodactyl? And I I couldn't figure (laughs) out how to get him. I never knew you had to use the old Amber.
1: There's also a fun little glitch since um, talking about the old Amber, you have to use Cut to get there. There's a fun little glitch in Gen 1 where if you – use cut on a tree, you stand where the tree was, and then you save the game, exile, and re enter you will now be standing on top of that tree. I did not know that. It does absolutely <laughs> nothing for you, but it's fun.
0: <laughs> I remember also, sp- speaking of glitches, the whole Cinnabar Island one to me missing known. Missing known?
1: Oh, I've n- I have never did that. Yeah, missing, number, I've missing known. I tried
0: so many times and I just either was doing it improperly or what, but I could never get him. I tried.
1: Yeah, I never, never.
0: I remember buying, like, the cheat code book that came out, like, every year. I don't know if anyone remembers those. And one of them (laughs) taught you, like, how to do it. Like, you had to move this many steps and this formation, this specifically.
1: So basically how a lot of those glitches worked is since it was a very old system, there was a lot of different possible combinations. They basically worked in a way that you chose combinations in a specific order that led you to a scenario that wasn't accounted for within the game or, like, within the code. And doing so would cause some sort of corrupt file to take place and basically you manipulated the, the game. <laughs> Into not knowing how to do what you wanted it to do. Interesting. So, fun fact, and that's how some people get like master balls right in the very beginning because they would glitch into a way where you would be able to fill your inventory with master balls. And
0: I know
1: it's very exploita- exploitative. I know speedrunners kind of
0: do that because a lot of speedrunners before going to Mount Moon you have to walk a very like specific path and if you do you won't run into a single zubat in the cave or like any wild welcome oh, really yeah it's wow. one of the speedrunner runner tricks it, but you have to walk like a very specific path before going to mount moon and that's how you do it
1: <laughs> yeah it probably glitches the system so it's like oh no it probably makes the encounters zero percent that's crazy How do people figure this shit out? Is my question. Like, do they just sit there and try, like, (laughs) oh shit, what? Because when, at what point do you walk into Mount Moon and you're like, wait, there are no Zubats? What did I do before I did this to make that happen?
0: Try to retrace your steps so long that you're like, oh, no. It's this one. You got to move three blocks here, four blocks down, three blocks to the right, back one block to the left, up to.
1: (laughs) Makes no sense.
0: (laughs) Who knows? But yeah, Pokemon Red and Blue, Mm -hmm. as the starter, obviously there was plenty to go wrong and there are definitely a lot of changes and as we go through the different gens we'll talk more about different changes we kind of went through quite a bit today but we'll mostly be talking about either like our experiences or the difference between the two Mm because story-wise there's really not much (laughs) yeah
1: one thing i did want to mention about yellow version because we We talked about the whole series as a whole. One thing I absolutely loved about Yellow version that they never implemented since, as far as I'm aware, is the fact that you can get all three starter Pokemon in Yellow. And you can get it by the third gym. You can get all of them by the third gym. And I thought that was fantastic and one of my favorite features of Yellow.
0: I thought you were going to say Pikachu follows you because they don't. How oh, a no, fun follow you until, like, four
1: generations Gen 4.5. <laughs> yeah. Which, that was a cool feature, too.
0: I don't... I'm trying to think. I don't... I can't remember the... What a gen you can actually catch all starters. It some... Um,
1: I, I don't think there is a gen where you can catch all the starters. Although, back in my younger days, I could have swore I found a wild Cyndaquil uh, in my crystal version. But I'm pretty sure I just thought I was a wild Cyndaquil, but I was facing my rival at the time. Probably the most more likely scenario, but I was convinced I found a wild Cyndaquil and had no Pokeballs.
0: Ah. So red and blue was a trip to go down, and even yellow, obviously there's the remaster versions fire red and leaf green, so I I don't recommend playing red and blue.
1: (laughs) Unless you really want that nostalgic um, 12 pixel Pokemon feel.
0: Yeah, and or if you want to see how bad it was compared yeah. to, like, all... <laughs> oh.
1: There is some nostalgia in looking at your your party, your Pokemon party, and seeing six Pokemon that have almost the same exact avatar.
0: Oh, yeah, the sprites.
1: Yeah, the same sprites. Or looking at... You could always, when you're facing a Pokemon, you could tell what Pokemon was you were fighting, but looking at your own Pokemon in battle, since it was so close to the screen... Essentially, it was like 16 pixels, and you're like, "What Pokemon is even out?" If it didn't have the name next to it, I would have no idea what Pokemon this is.
0: Yeah, there are some sprites that were very questionable. You're just like, "Yeah, the hell are you?" But,
1: <laughs> but it's nostalgic, that's for sure.
0: That is. But yeah, so... if you're
1: gonna start with Gen One, just go to Fire Red, Leaf Green. Plus, you get some bonus content.
0: <laughs> Not to mention, there's. Like I said, a lot of differences from Gen 1 to Gen 2 that I'll probably talk more about in Gen 2. But one thing, before we kind of start wrapping this up, one thing I did want to mention was that one thing I thought was cool is they had a little post-game kind of hidden thing that you could do. And it's after you become champion, if you go back to Cerulean City, there's a Mm. cave to like kind of like the left-ish of Cerulean City, and if you try to go in there before, it said, Oh, only a champion's allowed in here. <laughs> and once you do, Pokemon there are like level 70 or something, it's a very high level cave. But the how did end... this Pokemon
1: not escape the paint the, the cave? Like, is this guard like yo, Pokemon, you can't come out? <laughs> like,
0: apparently, but at the end, you get to face Mewtwo, who was arguably the no, I don't think it's arguably... I'm pretty sure he was the strongest Pokemon yeah. in Gen 1. Yeah, and he starts
1: at level 70, I think. Yeah, he was Insane. so
0: strong. And if you managed to catch him and you could redo, like, the Elite Four, no problem. Because he was just that overpowered. And once again, yeah. he was Psychic. And mm-hmm. Psychic was already overpowered in Generation 1, so... And
1: the this cave also added to a bunch of the lore about mew and ditto being uh the same pokemon essentially ditto being failed mewtwo experiments so it it adds to the lore of that because there's a whole thing about that which we could talk about lore if you guys want to hear about pokemon lore' because that would be a really fun topic
0: we could all, yeah I was gonna say we have pokemon lore episode and then uh that one Pokemon episode we were talking about about how it's like you guys have terrorist groups like Team Rocket, Team yeah. Aqua, Team Man- and like the police don't do anything. They, they leave do it all to 10 year olds. <laughs>
1: you know, honestly, I think the the police are in on it. <laughs> we can make some good theories. This would be a really, we should probably do that next season. Oh, that would be fun. that would be a really fun. But, so,
0: do you yeah. have any last closing thoughts for
1: Pokemon? I have, I, I, I think that's it for me, and we covered basically everything I want to talk about. Um, just a very iconic game, and I don't think you could actually get Mew in this game. You could get Mew too, but I don't think there was any wild Mews without exploits.
0: I think it th- there had to... I know you could get all 151. There, I think... I don't know if it was like an event or something. There was some way to get Mew back in Generation 1, but
1: yeah, so I just Googled it. You can't legitimately catch Mew in Pokemon Red or Blue or Yellow no matter how many times your buddy oh. tells you he found Mew in the truck next to S.S. Anne. <laughs> <laughs> or, or how his Jigglypuff evolved into Mew. It's not true. So yeah, it must have just been a cable event back in 2000. Hmm. Huh.
0: And oh, that's whack. Uh, to leave you guys off with the question of the day, probably the most important question to ask Anyone who is going into the Pokemon franchise, what starter did you pick to begin and your Pokemon journey?
1: Yeah, and there's actually a right answer to this, so don't get it wrong. <laughs>
0: Bulbasaur. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the least picked one. Come on, guys. you got to show you all. Honestly, I honestly don't know if I... Ch- I either chose Charmander or Squirtle. I honestly can't remember which one. I want to say I chose Squirtle because I did know about the first gym, and I believe I chose Squirtle, but I'm not a hundred percent sure because part of me thinks I chose Char uh, Charmander, but I know it was either Charmander or Squirtle. It wasn't Bulbasaur. Sorry, Bulbasaur, but I know for a fact it wasn't that. But
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure mine was Charmander. I can't. Yeah, I think it was Uh I do remember, on a quick side note, that one time when I was playing, I got off the S.S. after I completed it, and it started sailing away, and I freaked out thinking that <laughs> I just messed up my game. So I asked my brother if I messed it up, and he said, yeah, like it's ruined. You need that ship. So I'm like, how do I fix it? He's like, well, it's because you chose the wrong starter Pokemon, so I restarted my game. And chose a different starter Pokemon. Oh my god! <laughs> and when the ship did it again, I th- I realized, oh, I think he lied to me. So yeah, that's a brother for you. So yeah, uh, that's it for this episode. So I'm going to leave us with some facts. And the first fact is, in Japan, Red, Blue, and Green, or Red, Blue, Green, and Yellow, were re-released on the Nintendo 3DS as a commemorative or a commemoration of the franchises. 20th anniversary so that's pretty cool uh the game's releases marked the beginning of what would become a multi-billion dollar franchise making a total of about 110 billion dollars yeah. so <laughs> absolutely wild and this one's more of like a anecdotal kind of weird fact that i thought of before this episode And it's Moltres is the only legendary bird that really has no prerequisites to capture him. And by this, I mean when you have to catch Articuno, you have to enter the Seafoam Islands, which is not necessary to the story of the game. To catch Zapdos, you have to enter the Power Plant, which is not required in the story of the game. And Moltres is found in Victory Road, which is required for you to enter. Now... Going to the location that he's in his victory row in victory road is not necessary, but it's one of the only ones where you can only you, you have to go to the location where he is in order to capture him. So I thought that was an interesting one. Uh There is probably some easily pokeable flaws in my little fact, but <laughs> don't look too deep into it. That's the fact. <laughs> And that'll be it for this episode, so don't forget to show us some love and support at patreon.com slash And, of course, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Weebspawn. And you can contact us with any questions, concerns, or recommendations at weebspawngmail.com.
0: And that'll be it for us today. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we Weebspawn.